Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It's a Friday night. It's about 20 after 9. Amanda and I are lying in bed. (laughs) Why are you laughing? We are lying in bed. We are lying in bed. We're doing a Facebook Live with my man. Dominique is in Ottawa. He is an RMT and this guy's got a podcast and I love RMTs doing podcasts. Yeah, man. It's really really fun. Um, I just did a recording last night with somebody who reached out to us because she was a fan of the podcast and her and I were talking about how it's so awesome that so many people are doing this now and sort of making the massage community just a little bit smaller and we get to talk to people from all over and it's so much fun so uh oh hey i didn't even introduce myself hey everyone it's amanda so we've got dominique lab who's a rmt from ottawa and the creator slash host of the podcast the spirit of rmt and i i have listened to some of your podcasts or uh, seen it on instagram And I love this concept. I'm not going to tell anyone about it because I'm going to let you do that. But I I really think the concept is super fun. And uh, I would definitely dig it because I like to have a drink or two. (laughs) And I'm most curious to find out. We'll wait maybe till the end what drink you might serve when I come on your podcast. (laughs) Yeah, we'd we'd have to chat a bit more, yeah. We will. We'll have to get to know each other. Thanks for hanging out with us on a Friday night. Where are you? Are you in your kitchen? You're in your office? Where are you? Um, I'm in my treatment room here in Ottawa, just uh, comfortable, waiting to uh, do this awesome little interview. I was looking forward to chat with you guys. It's been a while. Awesome. So why don't we start with uh, you telling everyone a little bit about yourself, how long you've been practicing, what kind of practice you have, and... uh, Mm -hmm. Then maybe how did this podcast came to be? So I've been practicing for just about seven years now, always in and around the Ottawa, the Ottawa region, uh, mostly focusing into a very therapeutic approach. For the most part, it was very sports oriented for a while, but then I came back to a more generic uh, clientele where I see a little bit of everything. And then a couple of months ago, I came across the podcast of a old friend of mine, long-term uh, colleague of mine. She started um, uh, the Radical RMT, Krista Dick. I believe you had her on the podcast a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. did. Yeah, so she had me over for an interview on her podcast, and I really enjoyed the experience. I really enjoyed telling my story. But I wanted to change the approach a little bit, making it less studio conversation. I wanted to have something more breaking it down to the bone, the personality, the conversation that I can have with my colleagues, other RMTs or other practitioners of the healthcare. And I've always been... Uh, renowned to be a good host where I would bring my friends over, mostly colleagues of work, over at my house, making them a good dinner, good drinks. I'm really renowned for my cocktails, my large collection of whiskeys that I have at home. And the biggest one is my home brews. I've been making my own beer for a while. So all of my friends always wanted to come over to my house and would always have those deep, long conversation about their career. So after a while, I figure why not put those online so they can publish it, give it to their friends, to their clients, and have that as a audio biography that it can they can share with everyone. And I try to link, I try to pair a cocktail or a drink with the personality of my guest. That's really fun. Like I said, you have to get to know me a little more before you can decide what kind of yeah. drink we would have together. You said you uh, you make really good cocktails. Is there one you're famous for? Um, 
I always resort to go to my old fashioned. I like I like bourbon. I like something that's not too complex or not too sweet in terms of cocktails. So if I would to, if I have to make something for a friend for the first time, it would always be an old fashioned. Okay. So let's back this up a little bit. You said a lot of things there, and I kind of I kind of want our audience to get a good feel of what's going on with you. Where'd you go to school? Mm-hmm. So I went to school here in Ottawa at a private college, the Avers College on the East Campus. Good experience. Give us kind of the career path because you said you were you were way into doing sport therapy. Are you a member of the Canadian Sport Massage Therapist Association? I was for a couple of years. I recently did not renew my membership with the CSMTA. What made you decide to kind of get out of doing sports stuff, get out of mm-hmm. being a member of the association to working in, I guess, a more traditional type of therapeutic practice? I would say that the first year of my seven-year career so far, I just tried to touch into a little bit of everything, just a very generic early career. Then after a year of practice, I joined the CSMTA because um, a lot of indication was showing me that it would help me reaching some very high-level sports events. So I joined in, mm-hmm. learned, learned a lot from the members in there, attended a lot of their general annual meeting, met a lot of friends, and I did have a lot of interesting opportunity out of that. Um, it's a really long process to go from the certification candidate, mm-hmm. where you're just in the process of uh, building up your volunteer hours, reaching out to professional teams to work with them. They do require a lot. Yes. And after after five years of working at it, they came back to me with information that some of my hours was not accepted. So it was ah. like stepping me back a long time. Right, right, right. So there was no bad reason why I left other than I felt like I could not see the light at the end of the tunnel to reach that full certification. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's why all the years that it's been an association, there's less than 50 members all over the country, but for 400 non-fully certified yeah, the majority of them are certificate candidates. It's a hard go to get those 500 hours, and they even killed the time to do it. And they they used to they used to have you try to do it in a three year period. And they've yeah. I think they've recently got rid of the idea of a three year period to get your 500 hours. I believe so. Yeah. So one reason that some of my hours was taken away or not accepted is because it has to be volunteer. Mm. So I. I may have got paid for a few of those, therefore they were not valid. So it it, took, it kind of stepped me back into that total of 500 hours. Was that a little bit deflating for you or were you like, oh, okay, bit. I'm okay with it? Yeah, it was a little deflating. No, I, I've known a couple of members with the same opinion and they also decided not to pursue with the association. Yeah. But there's still a lot of opportunities out there for therapists like us to uh, find sports specific event. It's only if you want to reach with the major game, Olympic, Commonwealth, University, franc ontarien yeah. You really have to be with the, with the association to get selected. So if you can wave a magic wand mm-hmm. and make that association run more smooth for all of the other other hundreds of certificate candidates, what would you do? Mm -hmm. Mm. Because it's a national organization and there's so much difference in between each province in terms Mm -hmm. of curriculum or qualification, my wish would be to have a better uh, overall national qualification standards. And that would allow us, therapists from Ontario, to work well with therapists from Quebec 
mm-hmm. DC or what so have you. That's the thing is the people I came across in my career with the CSMTA, uh, I felt like qualification was all over the map, very good to just okay. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that that's what makes the association a bit off for me is I've worked with amazing people and other people that have maybe less high qualification and yet were allowed or grandfathered into the full certification. Gotcha. The full, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's what I would wish is a, a bit of a overall um, review view of their qualification of their members. Right on, mm-hmm. right on. Well, 500 hours is a lot of hours to volunteer yeah. your time yeah. as well. Like people need to make money. People have bills to yeah. pay. So I, then, yeah. Those are made by increments of 15 to 30 minutes. I believe they cannot be any longer than 30 minutes. Okay. So that's a lot of 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I don't know if I can afford to volunteer that much time. I mean, I'm all for volunteer work, but... Mm-hmm. Got to make some money. True, true. Mm-hmm. All right. So Especially when there are events uh, farther away, like I spent the better part of three weeks in Winnipeg working for the Canadian Summer Games in 2017. And all that was on volunteers' time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's like when I, I, I was doing Pan Am. Did you do Pan Am Games? I did not. Yeah. It's the same idea, right? I did Pan Am Games. And at that time, I was teaching full time. And mm-hmm. uh, I had to volunteer. Well, I was volunteering. It was two weeks, but they had me on 12-hour days days. It was insane for two weeks. So it's not like I could, you know, work in that time. But we're here to talk about your podcast, which I think is bloody cool. Um, You were were on Krista's podcast. Did you know you wanted to do a broadcast before being on that? Like, was that something that just kind of pushed you into saying like, yeah, I can, I can do this too. Or was it, was it one of those moments where you're there and then you get the idea like, Hey, this is, this can, this is something that I, I'm interested in. Well, I've done some radio back in high school. I've always been a very social, talkative person, very, Mm -hmm. very, very social as for what my wife says. So I always wanted to have sit downs with friends when it came to the idea of the podcast, the appearance on Krista's podcast uh, definitely pushed me over to committing to a project. Right. And I, I already knew I had all the equipment at home by all my, my music background. I had microphones, software, everything I needed. So I just needed a, a bit of a push. And being on the podcast definitely made me want to go ahead and do my own version of it, my own my own touch to it. Mm-hmm. Hold up, hold up. Another RMT with a music background. This really is a yeah. theme. What's your music background? Um, I studied music quite early on. I did some piano early, but then I moved straight to playing bass. Uh, my dad was a musician. He was playing fiddle. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I had music in my house since forever. Right on. And then I did my bass training, always played. There's always music playing around my around me in the house in the clinic all the time. If there's no music, no fun. Did you know he was a bass player? I had no idea. You know that? Do you know that Mark's a bass player? Yeah, yeah, yeah you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've seen some of your video. <laughs> yes, oh, right. <laughs> you guys are best friends. That's right. <laughs> You're friends now. If now if if you ride motorcycles, we're we're double best friends. <laughs> I'm more of a cyclist. I'm more of a bicycle guy. No, you two wheels is good enough for me. Anything with two wheels in a chain. I, I think we're good there. <laughs> there you go. I love it. All right. So with your podcast, you're pairing a drink with your mm-hmm. guest. You're deciding yeah. on the beverage. They have no idea what they're getting into. How do you no. how do you decide what you're going to serve for them? Um the people that I invite on the podcast, they're either colleagues of mine, friends of mine, or friends of a friend. So I try to have a little chat with them before to prepare for the interview. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, in relation to their personality, their background, their likes and dislikes and everything. I just, I don't know. I just kind of go with my gut. Can we role play this? I know. I want to play. play I want to play. Amanda's going to be on your podcast. I, I want to get a little sneak peek as to what this kind of, this conversation that happens. Mm-hmm. And then I want to yeah. hear what your thought process is to decide what, you, what you're going to pair her with. Well, I would go, let's see. So are you, are you originally from Toronto? Both I am. Guys? I am. Yeah. Toronto, okay. born so and raised. City girl. Okay. That's good. So if you're not, when you're not treating, what keeps you busy uh, in terms of activity, sports? What, okay. What, what well, these, these days, what keeps me busy is my kids. I have two mm-hmm. little kids, so I'm with them a lot. When not with yeah. them, yoga. And cool. um, with them, we, we like to be outside a lot. I bake with them. We do a lot of artsy stuff. I used to be somewhat into visual art, not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's about it. So it's either kids or yoga right now. Um, I feel like I would do like a like a wine-based drink, like a sangria or something like that. You feel like you sound like you uh, you'd be like a wine kind of girl. What do you think? What what do you say, Mark? You're bang on. (laughs) What, what, what made you what made you say that the mom part the fact that you're very busy and you needed something that's like exciting fun not too stiff not too aggressive of a drink like you don't sound like someone who like wants to have like a crazy party like you're not a tequila shot kind of girl no i hate tequila <laughs> like i don't know you have a, a sound and a personality that like needs something fruity not too crazy so i would go with like sangria or something like that White or red? Oh, red. It's a trick question. I like them both. But yeah, if I'm going sangria, I'm going red. You're right. You're right because I That's don't awesome. like I don't like anything too too sweet actually. So, you got it. You do enjoy your beverage. Let me I ask do. you a question. When did yeah. you start drinking, sir? Uh, actually quite late. I I worked in the catering business quite early so I've always been around food worked big hours and honestly I I didn't enjoy beer or liquor for the longest time like I when I started drinking it was like sweet not very tasty drinks Mm -hmm. I would say I don't know like 17 Mm. when you said when you said like not very early I thought you were gonna be like (laughs) I don't know like 25 20 17 is pretty early not for uh, a French guy right (laughs) We, I, I grew up in a small little French town, so there wasn't really much to do back there. So yeah, we, a lot of my friends started drinking quite early. <laughs> um, what is, what is your drink of choice now as a non 17 year old? Um, He's got a whiskey will, collection. Well, I know he has yeah, a whiskey the, collection, but he also does homebrew. So who knows? Yeah. That, it's a tough call. Depends on the day. So it's yeah. either one of, one of my whiskey or one of my beer. Like I tend, I tend to go with something between those two. Okay. I, I, I haven't, I haven't bought beer in the longest time. I just had my own. So before we move on to something else. One more. I mean, you know enough about Mark now. You know he rides motorcycles. You know he's a bass player. You guys have each other on Facebook. Now, he's not much of a drinker anymore. He became a dad, Uh and he he can't hold his liquor anymore. But... I'm kidding. I'm it's kidding. Like I, I I really kind of slowed down and almost stopped drinking when uh, my first daughter came around, and mm. and yeah, I just can't do it anymore. If he was still drinking, what would you make for him? <laughs> I I would go either like a rye, something like rye and coke, rye and ginger, or if you want something a little bit more like 
stiff, like I would give you like a, a good bourbon. You're pretty good, sir. Yeah. You are yeah. pretty good. Because when I used to partake in alcoholic beverages, I was like you. I, I kind of went with my mood or whatever I just wanted to taste at that moment. So like yeah. we might even be out somewhere and it would just be an array of things. It'd be, you know, a certain type of beer and then I would move to like a rye and then I would move to a rum and then I'd be like, hmm, I feel like a black Russian right now. And so it would be just like all over the map in one sitting. Wasn't the black Russian, the drink that ends the night. Yeah, that's that used that's to be the, the drink, drink that, that ends the night. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. You, want, you, do, you, you want to finish with the dairy drink? If you have that in the middle of the mix, it's not going to mix well. I don't know. I think it's disgusting, no matter where it is. Anyway, um, so how how long have you actually been doing the podcast? When did you start? So my first publication was in early April, and for the for a little while, I was trying to do a one episode a week publication and. You know, as you know, it gets pretty busy. So yes. I had a hard time keeping up with all of that. It was other projects uh, that I was working on. The beginning of the summer is always uh, a busy time with beer competition. So I had to work on that a little bit. So the podcast has been on a hiatus for a couple of weeks, but I'm working on new episodes now to continue my publication uh, shortly. Right on. Tell tell us about. I know I don't I don't want to do this to you, but I'm going to tell us about who was your most interesting guest. <laughs> um, I think my most interesting guest was uh, a, a friend of mine. Actually, I, I went straight to Toronto to interview her. It was my longest commute for an interview. So I drove down to Toronto to have a sit down with Judy Poulain, uh, an RMP. From the neck up. The, from the neck up. Yeah, yeah. Good friend of mine, Judy. What made her interesting? I just had a really good time uh, chatting about her specialty. You know, and what brought her to working with such a specific, small, complex area of the body. Mm -hmm. Before the interview, we had, you know, more in-depth talk about techniques and conditions. But during the interview, uh, I had a really fun time just trying to get some answers uh, from questions from uh, a few of my colleagues were asking me, you know, talked about this, talk about that. And she's a very bubbly, fun personality. So I had a good time with Judy. It was really, really fun. Nice, nice. I like I like her concept too. That's really cool. Up. From yeah. the neck up. Yeah. I've seen a lot of her stuff on social media. It's yeah, it's a good a, it's a good niche she's created for herself. And yeah, she's got a very good vision for her, let's call it brand. For the future, so mm -hmm. I think she's going to be a very, very successful, uh, perhaps eventually a multi-clinic entrepreneur. Nice. Don't tell us names, but what makes a guest for you horrible? <laughs> have you um, had Have you had a horrible moment yet, where you're like, "Fuck, I just really wish I didn't give this person a microphone. <laughs> I really wish I wasn't here with them right now." Have you had one of those yet? Not yet. I have to admit, out of the almost ten episodes so far. Everyone I invited, I've I, I knew beforehand, mm -hmm. like their personality, the way they were expressing themselves. Um, but you know, some sometimes I think at the beginning I was having a bit more of a hard time directing the interviews, so that was kind of a learning curve. But it was from my part, not the, the not the side of the guest. It was a learning curve for me, but bad experience so far. Nothing yet. Are you planning to branch out and start inviting RMTs on that you? 
you don't know anything about? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've received a few emails from RMTs that I do not know about that wants to be on the show. So I'm starting to prepare for those. Do you have somebody in mind? You don't have to tell me who, but do you have somebody in mind that you really want to get on your show? Yeah, there's a few people up north, a few RMTs in the north of Ontario that I have in mind. I want to chat with them. Yeah. What What makes you want them on? Um, there's not as many RMTs up there. There are RMTs that have a lot of experience in both the practicals part, in the teaching part, as well as being members uh, or contractors of the CMTO. Mm -hmm. So people people have some perhaps very interesting opinion on some subject, and I'd like to have them over on the show. Cool. Worst guest you don't want to talk about? Okay, that's cool. I don't think we've. I had, had one a guest that was. Uh, I had one guest that was definitely the most shy. So I had a hard time kind of breaking her shell and have her a bit more comfortable. But I think the more the more drink we had, the better the interview <laughs> was going. So have you ever had one of your guests get completely shit faced on your show? <laughs> um. Have yeah, you been, had, <laughs> or was that was that was that person you? Like, <laughs> who gets shit faced on your show? I, I I tend to drink a little bit before just to prepare and all the interview. We have a, we we tend to have like a drink together before, a drink or two during, and then a drink after. But that you'll never know because the interview is over. But yeah, <laughs> we've we've had a few drinks uh, with a few guests that towards the end of the night uh, they had to take an Uber and not drive away. <laughs> Man, it would be fun to be a guest on. Yours. Yeah, I'm coming to Ottawa. We're yeah, if you guys, if you guys are ever in Ottawa uh, together, are separate, uh, hit me up, and we'll arrange something. Now that you've had this podcast going on, and you're doing the social media stuff, right? What other platforms you have? You have, you have a website. You've got your yeah. Instagram. It's is it is it a weird thing for you because so many people are hearing you. You're getting people emailing you saying they want to come on. They want you to pick a drink for them. They want to sit down and chat with you. Does it make you feel kind of like it's going to sound stupid? Famous? Yes. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think I think it, it's it's a small community. I've been, you know, around for seven years. I, like I said earlier, I'm social and I've been in many positions uh, in my career where I, I got to meet a lot of people. So I feel like I've already established a certain reputation, perhaps. I don't want to sound like I'm building myself up as you know super great but no, no, I've, no. I've known i've known a lot of people from all over the uh, the province and i think that's just one more thing it's just one more thing that builds my reputation builds my credibility and allows me to reach out to some people and these people are reaching back to me to be guests and i think that's a that's a fun way to interact within the community of uh, of rmts in ontario for sure for me i found it a little i i, I think i found it unexpected like mm -hmm. I used to teach at a, at a college, so I'm, I'm always around RMTs, and we do continue education. We have the other half of what we do is our continue education company, Conant Institute. So we're always around other RMTs, mm. always interacting with other RMTs. But it's not until, like, and then we do our podcast, and, we, you know, I look at the stats, so I kind of know, you know, the reach of the podcast. 
But because it's audio, I've never really put it together that if I'm in a room, someone might come up and be like, hey, you're the podcast guy. And it's not until we went to the RMTAO's general annual meeting, the event after. We didn't we didn't go to the to the conference because we were teaching a course that day, but we went to the dinner after. And it kind of tripped me out a little bit where, you know, just some random people come up to me like, oh, heard your podcast or you're the podcast guy. And I was like, whoa, you know. This is all audio. You're not supposed to know what my face looks like. (laughs) You think it trips you out. It tripped me out a lot because I've always been pretty quiet. Like Mark's always been the one that's on social media and he is involved in the discussions Mm -hmm. in the different RMT groups. And as I said, between the kids and work and I don't have time for some of the extra stuff. So I kind of stay quiet on social media. Mm -hmm. Mark's the instructor for about 95% of the courses at Con Ed. I teach a few here and there, but it's mainly him. So if you've ever been on our our Instagram or Facebook page, his face is all over the place. Like people I've always kind of known who Mark was. So I'm at this awards dinner and people saying to me like, "Hey, are you Amanda?" I'm like, "Ooh, why do you know me? Who are you?" Like it was yeah, it kind of threw me off a little bit, but it was kind of cool that all of these people uh, felt like they knew me. I like felt like I had a whole oh. bunch of friends at this thing. Yeah, that's Hence one thing that dancing. you guys do very well is is the marketing and uh, the social media platform that you guys have. It's You do a really good job at it. You know, mm-hmm. I try to keep up with as many posts as I can, but it's very difficult as it's... I'm already not a big, a big fan of using social media for my own personal reason. Yeah. So to to try to publish and to maintain a steady post, uh, it's a full time job. Tough, it, yeah, really. it is. It is a really, really, really demanding job. Yeah. The social media aspect of it. On your podcast, have you have you had any blowback from anything that you've published? Like, have you had any kind of negative or someone, any controversy? Yeah. Um. Nothing major, but I do have to be careful with what I say or who I have on, what subject I touched upon, because I'm also a contractor with the CMTO. So that limits. What do you, what do, you do with the CMTO? I can't say that's the thing. A couple of uh, positions that are in the registration aspect of things. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So are they actually are they are they okay with you doing a a broadcast? Um. Yeah. I mean, they're okay with it. I think there's subjects I can't discuss there's people i can't have on uh not that they gave me those guidelines i I just assume those guidelines are you know off uh off limit yeah i found that out kind of the hard way there was um there's a gentleman that i know uh he actually was working at one of he was working at the school that i attended and i had been in kind of contact with him on and off and i and i know he's had positions at the cmto and i contacted him and i was like hey man you want to come on our podcast and talk about you know some of these things that whatever the position is and he's like no problem i went to his clinic we did this whole recording and the whole bit and after we did that a day later he's like can you take this out can you take this out can you take this out i don't know if i can say this stuff and then i went back and i re-edited and i took out names and i took out this and i took out that and then i published it with his consent and then i think two days later he's like can we get rid of that completely (laughs) and i was like okay i get it though so it it gets tough in the position that you're in to have anything like overly controversial i suppose was it uh the interview that you had with that gentleman was it on a specific subject that is kind of controversial or it just was in relation to no actually he he was he was just speaking of the role that he was in before 
And what I got out of it, it was he was applying for a different position and he really didn't want, he really didn't want it to be out there that he spoke about the position that he had before, if that made sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So that's got to be a little tough. Is there part of you that wants to hit on something that, that's a little bit pushing the line and you're like, oh, I got to hold back on that? Or is it just oh, yeah. not? Yeah. There's definitely some subject I'd like to discuss a little bit more, but there's, you know, different ways to spread the information. Uh, maybe not on my podcast, but just chatting between coworkers and mm-hmm. trying to communicate with the CMTO or the RMTAO about those concerns. You know, not try to make it a public broadcasting but you know to chat about it in between coworkers and try to do a difference that way i think it's it's better mm-hmm. there's still some subject i'd like to chat about yeah. yeah so if you could pick your your ultimate guest mm-hmm. do you do you have oh, an boy. ultimate guest mm. I guess or- that would be you, Mark. Good <laughs> <laughs> save, good save. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I'd like to have to chat with you guys. Uh, but ultimate guest, oh gosh, there's there was a therapist I used to work with. She was uh, probably like 26 years in the profession. She would have been a very interesting guest, but she unfortunately passed away not too long ago. So I, I, I'm, I'm sad that I missed her out on an interview. That would have been a very interesting uh, person to have on. But mm, I don't know. I'd like to chat with people that used to hold certain position to the CMTO. Yeah. Uh, that they don't longer hold or maybe don't even practice anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that that would be an interesting interview, but there was a case of uh, an RMT that went through a bit of a kerfuffle with the CMTO and, and lost, his perf- uh, lost his license. Mm-hmm. for a reason that will stay uh, unspoken for now. Perhaps I'm trying to get him on the podcast so we can chat about that whenever uh, he feels comfortable chatting about that. Yeah, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So having someone really who lost their license because it was it was a very a very special case and they have yet to uh, come up with full evidence of his, uh, you know, the reasoning why he lost it. Yeah. So, That'd be interesting. That would be interesting. We'll have to listen out for that. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) But I'm hoping to expand my uh, equipment to turn it into a up to three guests, three guests and one host. So I'm four microphone show eventually. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That could change the dynamic of uh, the type of show. Yeah, it for wouldn't sure. be as much as an interview that it would be a, a, a conversation between many of us. Would you make multiple drinks or would it oh, have yeah, all, would everybody be... get the same drink? Oh, yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. I didn't, I didn't think of that. I guess I would have to make maybe two different cocktails and they pick out of two. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't get my mind off the drinks. Maybe because it's Friday night. I need to go have a drink. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, No, I think that's some up uh, most of it any idea when we can uh, you know what I wanted to know though I wanted to know Mm. what got you started into to becoming a massage therapist like was this your first career your second career um my first my first like you were in catering and you were you were you were in kind of culinary stuff yeah, so I wouldn't call that a career per se because I didn't do very much extracurricular uh, courses in that subject. But I, okay. yeah, so I after after high school, I went straight to working kitchens uh, from the low position of cleaning dishes, worked my way up to prep to supervising kitchen. I did some serving, some bartending. So I, I was always in the food industry for quite a long time. Did you ever, and, did you ever in that time think, you know what, I want to open a restaurant. I want to open a bar. Uh, when I made it to the front of the house, 
I kind of wanted a little bit more to be invested either in the restaurant I was working in or opening my own little place. Mm -hmm. But I quickly realized I didn't want to. The energy and the effort you have to put in with the very little amount of uh, reward that you get financially, um, mm -hmm. I just I just lost interest in that idea. So my friends were telling me to go into some more health-directed profession. So I looked into athletic therapy. Therapist, uh, massage therapist, chiropractic, and the first, um, I, I usually do my decision by researching a bit more and talking with the people that are involved in that profession. So I attended uh, kind of a greet, like a, a greet and meet uh, at the college here in Ottawa, the Everest College. And right away, I asked my advisor if I could attend a class. I wanted to chat with the teacher and I wanted to chat with the students of the massage therapy program. And I already had three appointments with different program advisor at different colleges. But after chatting with the students at the Everest College, I was hooked. I, I signed into the program and I started I started the program a couple of weeks later. I was, I was on board. I just felt like it was right for me. Your friends obviously had a reason for directing you towards healthcare. Like, mm -hmm. had you expressed interest in this before or they just they just saw you as I don't know doctor of the group <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, maybe a little bit of that. I was always very caring. I would always take the time to help them out with their sports injuries, just with my first responder background, uh, the experience. You know, my experience with injuries, I would try to teach them little tidbits of knowledge that I picked up throughout high school and after high school with all of my sports experience. So I guess it comes from that, really. They just saw it as me being a, a, a giving, caring person. So they really wanted to direct me towards a profession where I would take the time to sit with one person for a long period of time. And I think massage is the one. I, I couldn't do the 15 minutes chiropractic adjustment. Mm -hmm. I just feel it would be too rushed. I would probably spend half of that time just chatting with the people anyway and then <laughs> afterwards. So, um, chatting but, with them, trying to figure out what drink would I give you? Yeah, that's right. So of all these things that you do, the cycling, mm -hmm. the, the home brewing, the podcasting, the massage therapy, which one of these rank them in order of the things you enjoy the most? Um, right now, I'm enjoying my home brewing the most because it's the peak of the season for competition. So I'm brewing a lot. I'm applying to a lot of local and provincial uh, home brewing competitions. So right now, I'm having a really big blast doing that. So nice. at this moment, the home brewing is number one then my work, then massage for sure. I enjoy my job so much. I love going to work every day. So that's definitely number two. Um, I mean, I would put cycling and the podcast on the same bracket because I'm having a really good time preparing interviews, but mm -hmm. it's not a good it's not a good day if I don't spend at least a little bit of time on my bike. Every day, I, I, pretty much every day I bike. Tell me about the brewing competitions. I don't know what a brewing competition mm -hmm. is all about. So tell me how this works and have you ever placed if, if that's something that happens? Yeah. Yeah, just recently, the, the most recent competition was the Orleans Brewing Festival. So they bring in all the local microbreweries from the region. And there's always a component of home brewing where people that homebrew can send in their recipe. They send in two bottles. The first bottle is being uh, tasted by a panel of certified beer judges graded on a point scale of 50 points and that's on the appearance the taste the quality of the ingredients as well as the final 
sort of final product, final product result. And recently I sent in three recipes. So three products to the Orleans Beer Festival. And I got mm-hmm. fourth place, fourth place in stout, fourth place in Belgian style and first place in IPA. So that was a very, uh, a very successful uh, contest for me this time around. Right on. Wow. I'm not a beer person, so I don't really know what any of those things mean. But I just got stuck on somebody's job is to be like a certified beer taster. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty fucking so cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I'm debating on doing that eventually. It's uh, it's a couple of months of preparation, but you study beer style, beer, beer uh, palate tasting and you grade them. There's a final exam. So it's a bit like a low-level sommelier for beer. But if you want mm-hmm. to work your way up, there's there's such a thing as being a beer sommelier. And you, you can get flied all over the world doing competition as a sommelier for beers. And it's a pretty interesting gig. That's really cool. That is really cool. I actually feel like even though I'm not really a beer person, I'd be pretty good at it. I've got a pretty refined palate. <laughs> Oh, maybe that's what maybe that's what we should do on your interview is I'll I'll either bring two or three of my beer or two or three uh, craft beer from local breweries and we'll do a a, a quick tasting together. Totally, I I would palette. love that. Yes, yeah, when that. I was. Uh... When I just finished university, I got a job with a marketing company. Uh, you know the people that stand in like the front of the the LCBO, the, yeah. the liquor store? You know those people? And they offer you samples? Mark's looking at me like he has oh, no yeah. idea. Yeah. So I was that person. And as part yeah. of the training for that job, we had to go to a one-day training to learn about different wines and what they pair well with and how to recognize like the different smells and the colors and the tastes. And I had so so much fun that day. It was so interesting to me. I remember none of it, but it was really interesting. <laughs> that's that's one fun aspect of uh, my background in in food is the the pairing, trying to pair a food item with a whiskey or a wine or a beer. I just I just find that's one of the most fascinating aspect of uh, of the food industry is trying to match a liquid with a food and have them complement each other for a better enjoyment of the meal. So uh, that's that's a fun part of it for me too. So fun! I love food and I love wine. I'm into it. Someone that's really into drinks. How, how do you feel about people that just kind of go out and consume lots of booze and just get rowdy drunk? I'm always curious about that. Like yeah, like like is I'm, it like yeah? I get it. There's a time and place for that, or is it like Oh my God, you, you heathen. (laughs) (laughs) I, I mean, I sound like I drink a lot and and like I I do have a large collection of both beer and whiskeys, but my rule is if I have maybe one drink a a, a day or every other day, and it's only one, one drink with dinner or like in the late evening, but I'm not the kind of guy who would go out clubbing, partying and just drinking a lot. Yeah, that's what I I mean. I think it's, it ruins the the next couple of tasting that I'm going to have. If I get faced on the weekend, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, let's just say Wednesday, I hang out with some friends and I have a beer again, it's just not going to taste good. It ruins my palate. It, I don't enjoy it. You know, that's how I, de- like I detest tequila because of that. Because way back in the day, I had one big tequila night. And from now on, I just cannot stand the idea of tequila and forever it's ruined. And that's one reason why I'm not a fan of binge drinking is I just find it most likely will ruin the flavor or the enjoyment uh, you may have from a specific liquor, spirit or beer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. 
drinking. I'm like, you drink for taste, you drink for enjoyment versus, yeah. you know, it's someone that's just drinking the cheapest tasting stuff, the worst tasting stuff, just, just to get hammered. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah, no, yeah. I can't do that. If I'm at a bar and I order a drink, you know, like if I'm, for example, if I'm getting a vodka based drink, I mean, I don't really drink that anymore, but back in the day, even if I was getting a vodka based drink and you know, they pull out, I guess I shouldn't, you know, slander a specific brand, but it's okay. It's a podcast. Uh, they pull out like a bottle of Smirnoff. I'm like, nope, sorry. Nope. Can't be done. Mm-hmm. Got to go. Yeah. There's something to be said uh, to go for something a bit more pricey or more expensive. You know, the, the shelf of whiskey I have, they range from, you know, maybe $30 to like, I've got bottles that are in the multiple hundred dollars of whiskey and they're all equally good. But if you get face on a very expensive bottle, it's just a shame. You can't, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm of the mindset of time and place, you know, if you're out at a sure. party or at a wedding or whatever, and you drink a little bit, fine, that's fine. But if you're drinking like a nice wine or like expensive whiskey, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think that you should down the entire bottle because you're right. You're not going to want to drink that again. I, yeah, I don't drink tequila for the exact reason as that you don't drink tequila. When I was younger, you know, we would do tequila shots like idiots mm-hmm. and even a nice tequila now, the minute I smell it, I'm like, nope, get it away from me. Can't do it Ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. So I just got a couple more things that I'm really curious on. Um, sure. When it comes to your your home brew is yep. is there ever kind of a dream with the brewing to become a microbrewery or is it just like a hobby and a love for now it's a hobby for now it's a love i really enjoy kind of the uh, the process of creating recipes and see how they're going to turn out but yeah i mean there's some opportunity perhaps in the future to make it more of a business plan but it's very difficult in Mm -hmm. ontario you have to produce a certain volume and to make that much beer and not have a solid kind of clientele base it's very tough so it's very expensive and most people i talked with in the industry they said uh you know five years in five years in you're not going to do much it's going to be like surviving and then after five years you're credibility builds up. If you survive the five years, your credibility builds up and then you'll become like a legit microbrewery. But until then, you're going to do a lot of contract brewing, which means you go to a local brewery, render stuff overnight, make it there, ferment it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of complicated organization aspect of, uh, of microbrewing at the beginning of the, five, the first five years of uh, a project like that. So maybe one day, but for now, it's a, it's a love, it's a hobby. Yeah, because I was thinking about this because when you when you said that you were at some of the the competitions how you had to submit your recipes and like one of the first things that popped in my head was like are you ever scared that someone would mm-hmm. rip off your recipe well, or is it or is that community I, just so like open and free that you know everyone's really respecting of what everyone's doing or is there ever a fear like hey my recipe's going to land somewhere and someone's going to make money off of it yeah well when it comes to the application, you have to give as much information as you're comfortable. So I definitely give right. a, a broad idea of the ingredients uh, okay. when it comes to when when it comes to making an IPA, you know, and an IPA recipe, the one that got first place in this category. There's a lot of steps in that recipe, so I can give the ingredients, yeah. but the process is very specific. And gotcha. if you put one ing- if you put one ingredients at ten minutes. 
of the boil instead of 12 or 15, it's going to change it mm -hmm. entirely. So the process is very specific and I keep that to myself. But yeah. um, once the, uh, the classification of categories was given and I realized I got first place there, that meant I was getting judged again the day after for the top 10. So the first place of each category was getting judged the day after again. And in that that classification, I got second place. Two people tried to come to me uh, for the recipe. Mm. And I said, um, I, I wasn't comfortable uh, selling it or giving it away. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to wait until the next competition and see if I can get a better result. Because usually the first place, the, the best in show gets uh, brewed on massive scale by a local brewer. So until then, I'm keeping nice. my recipe uh, to myself. This reminds me of Angostura bitters. Mm -hmm. yeah. Angostura bitters. There's five people that know all of the ingredients in the process. And of those five people, they are not allowed to ever be in the same place at the same time. Oh, really? It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, it's such a preservation of the, the ingredients, not so much the ingredients, but the process that yeah, so like, complex, you're not going to yeah. find two of them in the same place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find two of them in the same place at the same time mm -hmm. ever. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. I can't remember where I saw that or read it. And I thought that was super interesting. I learned it from you. So if it's false. <laughs> Maybe I made that up. No, I, I'm pretty sure that's real. I believe you. I believe you. Right on. So in closing, then, one of the things that we always ask, you win the lottery, sir. You win millions. Oh, boy. What are we, what are we doing here? Are we walking away from any of this? Are we going full force into any of these ventures? Are we doing something completely different? I... I mean, my, my, my wife would agree that I'm, I'm someone that will always need to be busy. So even if I do win the millions, I think I would still continue treating at a small scale, definitely uh, limit the amount of treatment I would do per day, but I would still have to treat. I just enjoy it too much. But that changed my answer of the last question. If I have the millions, I would definitely reconsider the process of opening a brewery and try to make it kind of a bistro bar, resto, restaurant, pub, place. Mm -hmm. So now now I'm changing my answer. I would definitely take the time <laughs> and the investment uh, to do that as well. So I would still focus on my two favorite thing, which would be the beer making, the food, but definitely work at a small scale. Right on, man. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been fun. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you, uh, you hanging out with us on a Friday night. It's okay. okay. I think all of us can now go have a drink. That's right. I'm definitely going to go uh, oh. head out and pour myself a dram of uh, a whiskey, uh, something something good before bed. Sounds good, brother. Thanks for hanging out. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. It was a long time coming and it's uh, it was a good time chatting with you guys. Yeah, definitely. And actually, we're going to be out in Ottawa in late July. So July, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll definitely cool. well, uh, give you a shout. Uh, I'll send you some contact info and we'll have to get together or something. Right on. Sounds good. You guys Amazing. have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.